people that don't make mistakes are just are like, oh, I failed at this and they cry about it. It's like, okay, you can cry about it, but like everybody fails. Literally everybody fails. My magazine failed. I thought that was going to be the my end goal. And that ran for five years and it was like, great, this is going to be the best thing. I don't have to do anything and run a magazine. Failed. All right, now what's the next thing? And that was a hobby also for me. So like, yeah, I look at this and I'm like, I hope this doesn't. But if this does, you got to go something else. But yeah, don't give up. <laughs> don't ever give up. Whatever it is, it's like you, you can always fail. You can always keep going on, I think. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 14 of Fail Hard, a by-design podcast that explores the relationship between fear, failure, and creativity, sponsored by Adobe. I'm your host, Will Hall. Look at this Land Rover. It has pride of place in the Birmingham Museum because it was the first Land Rover ever made. A 1.6-litre model which attracted great interest at the 1948 Amsterdam Motor Show. Yes, the first. A job which proved itself from the moment it went into production as the world's most versatile and rugged four-wheel drive vehicle. There's this idea in the world of branding that the best brands are often born from tension. It's this melding of competing sensibilities that on the surface, they often don't really make that much sense together. But they end up creating these unexpected and remarkable juxtapositions, really compelling brands. And so Land Rover, in my mind, is one of the best examples of this tensity principle. Because on the one hand, when you think about Land Rover, they're tough as nails. They're no-nonsense. They're born from the military. They're meant to be driven hard and in the mud. But on the other, they're also right at home on Rodeo Drive with Kardashians and paparazzi and whatever the hell Kanye's doing. All this nonsense, right? They're rugged, but they're luxury. They're an iron fist wrapped in a velvet glove. And the tension is what makes the brand compelling. And as a result, they've garnered a passionate fan base comprised of drivers and builders alike. And today's guest has taken his love for the brand and has created an incredible company over the past couple of years that has been born from this passion. My guest today is... Uh, my name is Daniel Marcello, uh, president of Brooklyn Coachworks. Over a very short period of time, Daniel and his company, Brooklyn Coachworks, have become really the leading maker of uh, customized Land Rovers, specifically the Defender 90 and the 110. I mean, really remarkable builds. I met Daniel about a decade ago when we were both working at this great ad agency called MRY in New York City. We both sat at the same table, worked on a lot of the same accounts together, and though we were constantly busy with client work, obviously, Daniel always had some Land Rover project happening in the background. And you know, some of my fondest memories of that era were spent with his Land Rover. Uh, I think myself and about a dozen other very well-dressed New York agency people piling into his bare-bones Defender 90. I mean, this was a tough, no-frills truck, no nonsense about it. And just traipsing through outer, outer Brooklyn at God only knows what hour. I mean, it was just such a funny contrast and just such a great scene. Anyway, I sat down with him to see how he made this transition from working a regular job, if you will, to now starting a company around his passion, something I know so many people aspire to do. Everybody has passions in life. My passion was always cars. I always loved these Land Rovers. I always built them. I um, always drove them around the world. But, you know, you lived in this kind of workspace, which was, you know, the advertising life. I mean, you did this, whereas, all right, you're a career director. You love doing 
the ad work, you love, you know, pushing pixels, you love making brands look amazing and do, you know, do amazing work for these type of brands. Um, I got to a point where, you know, we're at MRY. I, I left there. I went to MRM to become a, a design director there. And, you know, I didn't like it there. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try freelancing. So, you know, I went into the freelance life. Um, I started a uh, Land Rover magazine with two friends of mine. That was wildly successful. That was really well. We had, uh, um, it was in every Barnes and Noble in the United States. Um, I would travel the world and do articles. I would shoot photography for the, for the magazine. So the magazine was going great. I was always building these Land Rovers on the side, but you kind of like, you know, you had this thing where you had this passion, but you like love design still. I love making stuff. Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm just going to kind of just make a bunch of cars. So we were, I was building cars and then these cars kind of got all bought up. And this was kind of like right before the pandemic. So I was uh, still freelancing right before the pandemic, but also building the cars. And it got to the point where like people were buying the cars and those cars were selling for more than I was making just being a freelancer. So then you get that point where you're like, where do I, well, it's not like, where do I, but like, how do I make this the full-time gig? Because you have that safety net of being a, a career director or designer. You can get the freelance jobs and all that, but you're like, and at, you know, at that point I was working almost like two to three jobs at a time. You know, you would, you would do the freelance job, but you were like building the car and then the car was selling and you're like, I got to build another car. Um, and then these guys, you know, landlord hired me to go photograph their car. So you're doing like five different jobs, which I love. It made you active. Um, but then you're like, this kind of became the real deal. And then you have to be like, okay, now I am this guy. So I'll get hit up for freelance jobs still. And I'm like, I can't even like no time to even do anything. It's yeah. It just became uh, kind of the norm, which is good, but it also became a different stress to you. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, weirdly transitioned in a well way, but like in a weird way. Over the past couple of years, Brooklyn Coachworks has expanded rapidly with locations in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, a showroom in Soho and a new garage that's opening any day now. You don't imagine this, but like now I have, I have four Con Edison bills. And I have four Wi-Fi bills. Like, usually nobody thinks about this, but, like, you have, like, one apartment. It's like, great, I pay for everything in that. I have four spaces now. So, yeah. like, Con Ed, oh, I actually have Con Ed, National Grid, so I have two different ones. Yeah. You got to have, you know, I'm the guy that's buying the toilet paper for the guys. You have to, like, yeah, you know, firemen come in here, they got to check the space and make sure you're not burning stuff down. It's like It's like a whole different world. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, it's it's so funny, man. A, a reoccurring theme I, I've heard with a lot of people who, who are entrepreneurs and start their own businesses is that the thing that draws you to start a business, it, let's say it's passion-based, like let's say Land Rovers as an example, it's not all the thing. You know, it's like you're ordering toilet oh. paper and electrical. I mean, do you have a sense of the breakdown of actual hand-on-wrench, the stuff you love doing versus the, the mundaneness of, of life? Yeah, it's... Uh- you know, at first it was a lot of wrenching. It was, I was laying under the car and then it's like, you got emails coming in. Um, now we're at a point where, um, I have to step back, you know, Saturday, Sunday, I'll come in here. I'll wrench on a car just because it, you know, kind of de-stresses me. 
But um, yeah, I got a, a salesman on the on the team now. He answers all the emails. He gets all the sales done. I still got to order all the parts. Uh, I got to do all the shipping for the cars. We bring in containers full of cars that we rebuild here. Uh, I got four mechanics on. Um, I have a DMV lady. She just she just runs paperwork. She just you know you buy a car from me. I got to get our information. She handles all the DMV work. So um, yeah, you kind of like weirdly establish a team to make it go. And it's, it's like weird too. Cause it's like, it is your passion and you want your passion to keep going. Like I would hate for this just to like die off because then it's like, you know, a part of your heart kind of goes away. You're like, Oh, I started this cool business is great. And then all of a sudden you're not selling cars and like, it goes away. You're like, uh, like I kind of failed at my passion, but you can still just drive the car and have a good time. But it's, yeah, you're kind of like, you're the guy that have to, you got to rely on yourself to make sure everything works well and gets things done. Um, and a lot of times, you know, a lot of these people are not geared for that or not made for that. Um, I don't think I was ever made for that. I just knew, I just knew how to build a car really well. And I knew how to advertise the car really well. I knew how to design it really well. Um, so a lot of people ask me like, Oh, did you, you know, did you go to school for engineering? And it's like, no, I'm for design. And, you know, my passion's in this, but I know how to make a beautiful car for you to really want to buy. And I know how to engineer it well, because I used to, you know, drive around the world with these things. So, um, yeah, I tell everybody, it's just marrying my design work to, to my passion of Land Rovers. Yeah, that's, that's so cool, man. You know, it's so funny, especially when you think about your, um, Soho location. I mean, that is prime real estate. Well done, by Thank the way. <laughs> well, well done. <laughs> so, uh, but it's easy to look at sort of that cathedral, if you will, you know, in the heart of Soho and be like, wow, this is, you know, Jane Motorcycles. It's like you, you've really made it. And you have, of course. But it's easy to look at that as uh, if you're, you know, on the outside to be like, oh, you know, wow, yeah, it's easy for you to do it. You're Brooklyn Coachworks, you're established, et cetera. Can you pull back a thread? And you kind of did this a second ago, but. In the world of innovation, there's uh, this thing, this term called zero to one. And the idea there is that it's your first customer. It's when it shifts from being an idea to now I'm a company, I sell Land Rovers, and I've got my first customer. Um, can you recall that first zero to one moment as Brooklyn Coach works uh, a bit? Or was it more protracted? Was it a longer tail? Or do you remember that very uh, well? It, it always feels like that zero to one feels like it's still going on. But it also like you, you see these steps happening where you're like, Oh, we accomplished that. Now I'm doing this to accomplish these things. So it's not like you made it or not made it. It's like, um, there's certain times, like, uh, I remember it was during the pandemic, it, you know, we had to close up shop here. We were a shop. They had to close everything. Right. So we shut down for about three months and I was like, Holy shit. I'm at home. I'm like stressing out. I got like four cars here that I got to sell. And I'm like, who the hell is going to buy a car? in the middle of pandemic. And then I remember April came around and it was like, everybody's got money. Everybody's got their jobs. Nobody's getting dinner. Nobody's going to shows. Nobody's traveling. So people had a shit ton of money. So all of a sudden it was like, Hey, I want to order a car from you. I want to buy this car. So I started, we started taking commission builds. So that became a step of like, okay, now I have five cars. We've got to build for these people. I took their money. Now I have to you know, buy, buy the car, import it, let's build it for them. So then you were kind of like, all right, we're kind of established. I, we have to make these things. Um, people are still buying them during the pandemic. That's good for me. Um, and then this year came around, which was 
kind of crazy still because you couldn't get any parts. I had like, I think I had like 50 tires on order last year and they weren't making tires. So you had all these cars built for these people, but I'm waiting for the damn tires again. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, six months later. Now we're at the point where I'm like, okay, we can produce the cars again. I can get them done in time. Now it's, um, how do you expand? And I've never had this in my life. And I was telling my salesman the other day, it's like, you can have a company that's working, but now you have growing pains. And a lot of people don't understand growing pains. Growing pains is a, is a different type of thing. How do you invest in a new facility? How do you, I got to buy lifts. I got to buy a new spray booth. So you got to invest all this money into this new space um, that you're hoping that you can sell more things from that. Um, yeah, we're not like, it's different too. You're not in a service industry. You kind of are, but you're in uh, sales. Like I'm selling people, I'm selling them shoes yeah. and they're custom made shoes. And yeah. I only make a finite amount of them and they have to sell. It's not like you can come to me and I got to do a website and I'm like, great, 200,000 on our website. I'll, I'll do that on my laptop in the middle of nowhere. It's like, you have to move giant cars around. You have to, you know, move metal and you have to paint it. And you're like, you're making a product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your question, I'm rambling on. But no, it's but great. Your, it's great. But to your question, it's like, uh, yeah, you, you, you feel the moments that you're like, okay, I, I, I ticked that off the box. Now we're established. Now I can tick this. And now people are coming after me. And now, you know, Newsweek does a story on you and these guys do a story and you're like, okay, I guess this is happening. It's progressing. We have to keep it going. Now you got to keep it going. One of the things that strikes me most about Daniel's progression is that he's integrated all of his past pursuits into what it is that he's doing today. He followed his interest early on to become a designer, which he then used to land a series of advertising gigs so that when he finally decided to make his passion a business, well, he didn't leave any of those things behind. In fact, I believe that they're the exact reason why he's been so successful. The design around Brooklyn Coachworks is great. The customer journey has been carefully planned and considered. He knows how to build a brand, etc. All this stuff, and when you pair that stuff with his passion, well, that's what makes for a powerful combination. And this is something I think a lot about, integration. Whether you're living your dream today or not, the fact is, is that tomorrow is built on today and that the things that we do and learn now will make whatever we do in the future richer and better. We build our mentors a la carte. So as creative people, we're always learning, we're always collecting, and we're always growing. Said differently, when we're moving forward, even if the path is somewhat winding, there are very few moments that should just be written off as a waste. It's all valuable, both the mundane and the magical. Yeah, it's everything. It's, you know, when you run it, you have to keep your eye on every little thing. I mean, I'm the photographer. I'm the guy that makes the PDF that I have to send people to say, all right, Will, you want a car? All right, let me send you this designed, beautifully designed deck, which we used to do back in advertising. But yeah. it's a beautiful deck that somebody can see the prices on. And they're like, wow, this is really nice. Um, yeah, you have to design kind of everything. You got to look at the car. You got to say, all right, do these wheels fit? Does this paint look good? Um yeah, you have to really kind of be your, – your eyes got to be on everything. As a designer, though, your eyes are always on everything. Yeah, um, always. But, yeah, you build – you have to build the brand. You have to build the look of it. But you also have to you know, provide a good product. So 
you also have to have a good team of mechanics. You have to also just know the car. You have to know what you're building. Yeah. I don't build anything else. I got guys coming in here asking me to do their Toyota. I'm like, I do not do Toyotas. I do one car. And I do it very well. And that's, that's it. That's all I want to do. So yeah, you have to be a little bit, um, yeah, you got to control. You don't have to control everything. You just have to be mindful of what you're, what you're presenting to people because you are the brand, uh, your company is, is what you are. Yeah. yeah. There, there's so much discipline in what you just said, uh, you know, obviously in doing the one thing. I mean, how many times in advertising and design have we preached, you know, it's like differentiation, specificity, everything is nothing. If you do everything, it means you do nothing. And, and, and it seems like you're really taking a lot of that medicine that, you know, the creative world, if you want to call it that as has, have advocated for for a long time, and it's really great to see it sort of expressed in your own brand. And speaking of your brand, have you been thinking about its next phase of evolution? I realize you're in the dead middle <laughs> of, of building this thing, so it can be hard to get a bit of perspective, but are you, you know, you're expanding physically, and, and, and that's a capacity thing, makes sense. Are you thinking about other, like, lifestyle, to use that overused term, uh, extensions, the magazine that you used to do, does that have a role here now, et cetera? Have you thought about how it may evolve in the coming months or years? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think everybody that runs a company sees it at a point that it is successful, then how do you uh, monetize that or grow it in different ways? Um, the magazine ended up closing only because of COVID, you know, Barnes and Noble ended up closing all their shops. So we couldn't get that out. Um, but you know, long-term goal for me is I just want to build, uh, a certain amount of cars. I would love to just do like 50 cars a year. That is it. And then, um, we're planning on doing rentals. So, um, we're doing within the next year or two, I want to do, uh, two or three cars in Costa Rica and a couple of cars in Italy where you fly in, you get to drive one of our cars around, but it's like an Airbnb. So you go to Costa Rica, you go rent a Land Rover. It's got a, you know, snowboard or um, I'm sorry, surfboard. It's got a mountain bike to it. So you can go, you know, cruise around Costa Rica. The Italian one, you go there, there's a house in Italy. You can get the Land Rover. You go to you know, skiing in the Alps. You can go to the ocean. Um, we're getting into clothing now. Like I have a million people being like, I want a shirt. I want a hat. I want a jacket. It's like, I can't, I can't, I don't have time to even make this crap for people. Um, we made a bunch of t-shirts and hats in this bespoke post place, um, is buying everything and they're hosting it online. Cause I don't have time to even get a web designer. If you know one will hook me up, but I need a web designer to <laughs> no fix problem, my no square problem. space because I, I don't have time to do it myself <laughs> <Yeah>. anymore. <laughs> it's weird when you're like the web guy and then you're hiring web people because you're like, I used to do this, but now I can't, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Totally. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I want to, and then this, this, uh, next winter, I was down in Miami this, this winter, but, um, I think we may open a, a showroom in Miami also during the winter time because up here you get a little bit seasonal, not not really bad, but like you know your your December, January, February is a little bit slower here. So I want to put a couple of these that are like convertibles into like a showroom in Miami where that is kind of just like oh, all right, you know, there's money down there. You're in the same time zone. Um, that's kind of the next step, I, I think. So yeah. yeah. 
That is so cool. Man, by the way, just side note, that Airbnb idea, they're all great ideas, but man, that is such a fantastic idea. That's an idea that would die in a pitch deck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a great idea. We're not doing it. Okay, great. Yeah, we're not doing you know? it. <laughs> well, that those I want to do it this year. And then it was like, um, this was before the variant even came out. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't because nobody's traveling. But now it's going to be probably a giant travel boom where and I've done this before. I go into a country and you 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 get the Airbnb and that's great, but you don't have a vehicle or your vehicle sucks. Yeah. So I want to give somebody like this is our car. Go enjoy it. Go see what you can do with it. So um, yeah, I think the travel thing will be the next thing. It's just yeah, you got to get another two or three people to man that up. So it's you know even if you have the idea, you also got to staff it which nobody talks about, but you got to have somebody staff that thing. Even my clothing thing. It's like, I want to do it all, but I need a guy that's going to send everything out. He's got to take orders. He's got to also be like, all right, stock's low. We got to order these. People are demanding this because you can't do everything, you know? That's super cool. And, you know, related to that, and also in keeping with the theme of this podcast. So this podcast is called Phil Hard. And uh, of course, in part of the the spirit of this, as, as you may be aware, is like, we both know that nothing creatively just happens. Everything we do is a result of iteration, certainly the world of design. You know, nobody just makes a logo and there you're done. You iterate, you make, and you fail, and then you, you figure it out. And I loved hearing and reading about your process and sort of getting your expertise, iterating on your own vehicle for essentially 20 years, right? Am I, and changing yeah, yeah. engines and tires and tops and all this stuff. And is through that iteration, you figured out basically how to do what you do now and, and become really the leader in the world at it. Uh, I'd just like to ask a quick question about that process, though. In doing that in your own car uh, as well, have there been things that you sort of tried to do but failed utterly? And if so, did you learn something from that? It's okay, a little bit of amorphous question here, but love to hear any thoughts around that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I tell a lot of people this. You, you, and it's like kind of that Michael Jordan thing where like, yeah, I had to lose, you know, all these games to be a champion. And it's, you know, I, you need to, you need to fail. You need to be like, this is the wrong part I put on there. These tires are way too big. Like I was running 35 inch tires back in the day, three inch lift. My driveline was suffering, like driving cross country. I was going deaf. And I was like, this looks cool, but this is not good. Uh, put on a 33 inch and i was like don't need a lift and this is just a perfect tire and this this you know small things like a hub nut like this hub nut is better than the old ones and i know this is the new one we should use there's so many little things that you do and you you fail at even when you're driving these cars in the middle of nowhere that you're like wow that broke down on me in you know the middle of the outback in, in australia and you're like take note all right next time i'm back at the shop that's the thing we gotta we gotta fix because i don't want that to happen to somebody um and i've had that happen plenty of times in me um yeah it just takes kind of like you have to live in that world in a weird way a lot of people build these cars and i'm like that's great but you 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 drive your normal you know subaru home or you don't actually live it People come to me because they'll be like yeah dan's going to baja next week and an old you know series or defender that he built and I want to see how it gets there. And yeah, I've had things go wrong every time. And you're like, this just needs that little bit of fine tuning that I know it's going to be perfect. Even though that person may just drive around Chelsea for all I care, but they, they have the ability to go anywhere they want to. And I, and I personally know it's like that car is mine. I know it's going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
you know, failing or just making mistakes is like the biggest thing. I, I don't, people that don't make mistakes are just, are like, oh, I failed at this and they cry about it. It's like, okay, you can cry about it, but like everybody fails. Literally everybody fails. My magazine failed. I thought that was going to be the, my end goal. And that ran for five years and it was like, great, this is going to be the best thing. I don't have to do anything and run a magazine. Failed. All right. Now what's the next thing? And that was a hobby also for me. So like, yeah, I look at this and I'm like, I hope this doesn't, but if this does, you got to go something else, but yeah, don't give up. <laughs> don't ever give up. Whatever it is. It's like, you, you can always fail. You can always keep going on. I think. Right. Right. I mean, persistence is always just this. It's, it's, it's always present and everybody who's successful is just simply not quitting. Um, and you know, a quote that I read the other day, and I wanted to get your reaction to it. Uh, so I read this quote from the designer Adam J.K. the other day, and he had a poster or something that was going viral on uh, the Instagrams, as the kids say. And uh, it said something like, follow your passions, and then you'll have no work-life balance ever, and it will completely consume you and completely ruin every moment and holiday, <laughs> whatever, something like this. And, you know, passions are tough. So I wanted to ask you directly, uh, do you have any advice for those that may be considering following in your footsteps? I, I, I'm all, all about, you know, following your passion, do what you need to do to, to do that. But it is also 24 hours a day. Now I am like, you're just consumed in this. It's seven days a week. I go home, I answer emails. It's a lot of work. Um, but it is, you don't see it as work because you hate work. Sometimes this, you can't hate because you've established a company that you have to make run. You have people's paychecks you have to pay. So it's like, you want this thing to work. You don't want it to consume you, but if it does, it's kind of like, yeah, this was my fault, but this is also my passion. So you're the only one that can stop it. I can say, all right, I'm only doing 10 cars a year as opposed to 50. Um, I'm going to do less, so I'm going to make less money, which is okay, fine. I might have less stress. So you're the only one that gauges this um, kind of affair, how, how deep you go into this type of work or how, how less you kind of go into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's tough because my passion was also design. I love that too, you know, just like you're doing. It's, it's like you love that, but then you're also like, what makes you happy? I, I love design, but I also loved my weekend to be like, I'm going to go off road this car. And then it got to, it was like 50, 50. And then you're like, this made more money. And now you're like, this is everything. And now you're like, how do I keep this going? And then it's like, you know, okay, God forbid this fails. I'm going to call you up and be like, Hey, rain hiring great. But it's like, you, you don't want to get there. Cause you're like, I feel like I'm doing all right, but yeah. You don't want your you don't want your, pa your your passion to consume you, but you want it to um, you want it to, to live your life very well with what you do. I'd like to thank Daniel for sharing his thoughts with us. You know, it, it's always amazing to hear these passions because sometimes, yeah, you've got the thing you love, but other times you're ordering toilet paper and you gotta have both. Uh, but I just so am appreciative of him. Uh, being so generous with his time and ideas. If you'd like to learn more about Daniel and Brooklyn Coachworks, you can check out his website, brooklyncoachworks.com, or follow them on Instagram, at brooklyncoachworks. Fail Hard is sponsored by Adobe. Everything associated with this show is enabled by the Creative Cloud, and we couldn't be more grateful for their support. Thank you, Adobe. 
We're releasing new episodes of Fail Hard every Tuesday, so be sure to hit subscribe now to stay up to speed. And lastly, if you'd like to hear past episodes of this podcast or check out our television show, America by Design, you can go to our website, americabydesigntv.com. We'll see you next Tuesday.